I'm Robbie Thigpen, and welcome to the Sargassum Podcast. I'm Jenna Contuccio. And I'm Francesca Elmer, and we are your hosts for today. We are going to share with you the latest ideas and concepts about Sargassum and Sargassum beaching events, which have become an international challenge. Let's get ready to learn together. Good morning, everyone. Um, we had us a nice little Christmas break, but we're back here to learn together on the Sargassum Podcast. And uh, what did uh, Fran and Jenna do this last, last over the holidays? Uh, Robbie, well, I went to Switzerland for an entire month to see my family for Christmas, and it was really, really cool. I got to go into the snow, and my family met my boyfriend for the first time after two years of being together. So it was really, really good. And yeah, you may have seen Jenna before um, on our podcast. She she was our summer intern and now she has come back as our co-host. Hello, everyone. It's nice to be here in a new role. I'm really happy to stay with the podcast. And I am in California right now on a chilly California morning. Um, what did I do over break? I look for funding for my graduate school program. I just started my last semester of undergrad just this week and looking forward to starting graduate school in the fall. So that's what I'm up to. Are you uh, writing any books on uh, Oh, yes, yes. I'm also helping with this really cool project that Robbie is also involved with. And my responsibility for this project is to write a scientific book for fourth grade and ninth grade right now about sea turtles. Excellent, excellent. And we got, uh, we've got one other new person here today, and that's uh, Jose, and he's our producer. I thought I saw him a second ago, but maybe he's disappeared, but he's here today, and we, we have a couple of guys that are helping us with that, and they're both at, uh, from Maricopa community college out there in a really dry place and all and so i see why they're fixated on the ocean since all they got is sand out there they need a little bit of salt water um anyway let's get ready to learn together at all today we've got a really great new uh guest with us today her name is dr shelly ann cox and uh she's an experienced uh ocean professional and all and uh a and a uh science communicator and founder and CEO of the boutique consultancy firm called Blue Shell Productions, which specializes in blue economy consulting, event planning, management, and science communication. She received her PhD in natural resource management at CERMES at the University of the West Indies in Barbados, where she also worked on her postdoc. She's an oceanpreneur, fisheries management specialist and the mother of, of a beautiful three-year-old who she just showed us his picture and all that. And uh, that made us all smile today. And in the Sargassum world, she's well known as a coordinator and co-editor of the Sargassum Sub-Regional Outlook Bulletin um, that predicts Sargassum influxes in the uh, Eastern Caribbean. And you may have saw that document if you're uh, on the GCFI lift serve. It got sent out about a week ago. And also that's who we're talking to to get day. And, uh, Welcome, Dr. Shelly Ann, and uh, let's get ready to teach you something so we can learn together. <laughs> Thanks, Robbie. It's a pleasure being here with you and the team this morning. Yeah, welcome to the podcast, Shelly Ann. 
Um, the first question we ask everybody on the podcast is, what is sargassum to yeah, you? So sargassum, I would think, is um, a brown tide or golden jewel. That's how I tend to look at it. Um, of course, cognizant of the fact of the negative impacts that it brings to our sectors like health, tourism, energy, even recently seeing the impacts um, to the energy sector in, in Puerto Rico, um, as well as the environment. And then, of course, you know, sargasm being called a symptom of climate change, the greatest single threat to the Caribbean tourism industry. So on the brown tide side, I would say, you know, the negative impacts, the, the severe influxes we've seen in Barbados over six feet stacked up on the beach. And, you know, that that's the negative side of sargasm. But on the Golden Jewel side, you know, looking at sargasm as, you know, opportunities, we've seen a lot of innovation in terms of the creation of products and, and services, um, be it innovation in cleaning equipment, booms and other things. Um, but, you know, there's a multiplicity of uses. We feature 14 uses in our sargasm uses guide. And there's lots of opportunity um, for young people, women, and, you know, even um, older people as well, too, to get involved in the innovative side of it. Um, earlier today, I was talking for Jose, for example, about looking at sargasm as a muse for artistic pursuits. And I was telling him about, you know, a song from a Guadeloupe musician, Boss Papi. Um, I think you featured... Um, some some artists already on the podcast, you know, they had a video immersive um, production, Charles Moore, for example, another artist. And, you know, this is what I would like to see more of. Um, in terms of poetry, I've only seen a lot of poetry about the Sargasso Sea. So, you know, another area opportunity we need to be exploring, you know, people, you know, writing creatively about the experience and, and looking towards, you know, the innovation and addressing addressing this, you know, I won't say recent, it's been a decade, but addressing this environmental issue. I love the positive spin and attitude that you have and excitement for innovation. And on the podcast, we love to hear about innovations and different creative ideas that people are coming up with. So thank you for highlighting that. Um, your work has been focused both on fisheries and sargassum. How does the sargassum affect fishermen and women in Barbados and in the region? Yes, yeah, so we've been seeing a lot of impacts. So, if, for example, sargassum clogs fishing gear. Um, it gets around the propellers. Um, it impedes navigation. Um, we've seen the access to jetties um, at landing sites, for instance, uh, being obstructed. Um, so then fishermen can't get out to sea. So we've seen lots of lost days in terms of fishing. Um, and of course, a lot of our landing sites are on the windward sides of the islands in the Caribbean, um, Eastern Caribbean specifically, which are always, you know, inundated with, with lots of sargasm. Um, um, some fishermen, especially the coastal spear fishers, they have, you know, reported that they get some skinny rotations while diving as well. Some of them use vinegar to ease the irritation. Um, and um, I guess most significantly, um, Hazel and I and others 
had looked at the impact on dolphin fish and flying fish landings. And we saw a decrease of 52% in flying fish landings in Barbados. And you know Barbados is the land of the flying fish. Um, it's part of our national identity. It's on our dollar. It's used in the branding and marketing as of Barbados as a tourism destination. And we are hardly seeing any, any flying fish. It used to account for 60% of our landings. Now it's less than 30%. Um, probably in terms of estimates, it's about 19 million US um, per, per year. Um, but of course, now we're not nowhere close to that. Dolphin fish as well, um, just about 30% decrease in, in landings. And we're seeing the smaller or juvenile dolphin fish which are being caught now. So there's been a lot of discussion on whether size limits need to be enforced uh, because uh, we're landing these juvenile dolphin fish. And, you know, size matters. And, you know, there has been some draft legislation um, in Barbados around this. Um, but even at the regional level, the Caribbean Regional Fisheries Mechanism has offered some guidance on what that recommended um, size limit should be. Um, so, yeah, definitely a lot, a lot of negative impacts as it relates to fisheries. On, on the flip side of things, we've been seeing a lot of Almaco jacks, um, what locally is called as amberfish, uh, being caught. People are developing a taste for it. Very nice, soft white fish, very delicious. And, you know, people have also um, indicated seeing, you know, smaller lobsters and, and other smaller fish um, coming in with the sargasm. Um, so in a sense, you know, there's some, some renewal there. Um, but, you know, the fish, some fishermen will tell you they love sargasm. Others would say, no, they don't. Um, but, you know, it is, it is quite a, a interesting, well, a topic of, of discussion all the time as we try to, you know, work to, to give people a heads up um, as it relates to, you know, six months beforehand or three months beforehand, how do I plan my operations, you know, and take advantage of the sargasm mats that might be arriving. Excellent. I think minimum harvest size are a very important aspect of uh, resource management and all. And um, just, you know, for my two cents, there's, there's in the past there's been too many countries that set the uh, minimum harvest size very close to the age of size of fecundancy. And I believe this leads into the fact of two uh, fish and lobsters and things being harvested before they've had a reproductive opportunity. And it's, it's the minimum harvest size should be low, high enough, large enough that it, we guarantee at least one opportunity. And if we got, if it's high enough where they can guarantee with the size guarantees at least two reproductive opportunities, the fish is going to grow economically, and, and that's just a very yeah. important thing. And um, yeah. and um, and maybe they need to be talking about a maximum harvest size too, because those big mm -hmm. boys are the ones we want to be doing the most reproduction. Uh, there's yeah. uh, the females that are most fecundant; they're passing on good genes, and, and yeah, those are just some things I'd like to see. But that's my two cents. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, getting back to the to fishers and all that. Um, what do you think is a, a good way to, or a good type of information that the fishermen need to better deal with sargassum? Yeah, well, well, they, they usually like to hear um, if we have a sense on where the self, well, the mats are, 
Um, a lot of our fishers from Barbados, for instance, um, fish southeast of the island. You also get a sense of Sur Suriname as well as um, Guyanese fishers in that area too, right? Southeast in the high seas as it relates to long line fishing. And of course, we know long line fishing gear will definitely get clogged um, with sargasm. So they, they like um, especially to see that process satellite image, which indicates, you know, the reds where there are the huge mats um, so that they can plan accordingly. Um, they're also interested to hear if it's going to be a good year or a bad year. Um, you know, right now we're doing three months and six months experimental products, um, but we're working towards that one year experimental product where we can give um, good information to even the innovators because the, the innovators have, you know, it's one of the challenges. If they can't, um, if they can't show that there is a, you know, a predictable supply from year to year, you know, then they can't get the loans that they need to support their startups. And, you know, we can't up to now, right, tell them a year in advance if, there will be more or less sargasm. And then, you know, perhaps even thinking about, do we need to grow sargasm in some years to support some industrial action in building out sargasm enterprises? Um, so, you know, um, that's one stakeholder. But yeah, the fishers for sure, um, they like to know. They they do use um, apps and so on, like WinGuru, to look at how the wind is traveling as well. So they use the information in combination with other things. Uh, some of them look at ocean temperatures as well, too. You you would be surprised at how tech-savvy some of our fisher folk in the Caribbean are. You know, they teach me some of the apps, and I tend to look at them myself, too, <laughs> um, um, as well, in terms of early warning. But I think we've come to a culture to appreciate um, climate information and, and climate services and how important that is in, in informing decision-making, not only for you know, sector, sector stakeholders, but also policymakers. So you, you just told us a lot about um, forecasting and the forecasts you make, um, you publish them in the Sargassum yes. Outlook Bulletin. Um, but there's a lot more in there than just the forecast. So tell us what people can find in it and how much time goes into making yes. one of so, these? So, you know, the production well. of the bulletin is, you know, a, a good team effort on our part. Um, Don and Jim from University of Southern Mississippi, Don leads the forecasting aspect. And we've come to, I guess, in terms of production, two days on his end and maybe two days on my end. And, you know, Hazel, the co-editor, she does, you know, the final checks and, and then we publish um, but of course, in the beginning, uh, my background in climate services, I worked at the Caribbean Institute for Meteorology and Hydrology for four years. And, and there, um, we conceptualized some sectoral bulletins. So we use rainfall and temperature forecast as well. So that was my background coming in. And when I returned to Surmese, I was like, you know, it's good to have a, a forecast, but it's even better to really package it and tailor it for sectoral users so hence we would start with you know what the situation looks like now 
and then we will speak about the three-month forecast. But then we, we think it's very important that we communicate the implications to important sectors. Um, so we focus on fisheries and tourism, for example, for a while. Uh, we started to include some environmental messages as well. Um, you know, there's lots about health. So in terms of we've not really focused in on, on health specifically, and then, of course, the new energy focus. So, you know, as as times goes on, you know, why do is I always do a check of, of content, what's going on, um, what are the latest, because, you know, we feature the latest publications as well. So I'm always trying to be on the pulse of that. Any upcoming workshops uh, we try to feature as well. Um, I even look into, you know, what's the latest publications, if it's, you know, people... Um, not only publications, but resources. So we've seen like, you know, resources um, from our French colleagues around sargassum cleaning equipment that we featured in the past. You know, we featured, you know, some sargassum articles um, that are more in tune, you know, communication, better pictures and so on. And of course, we always wanted to shine a spotlight on the innovative part. So we've been doing that feature so we did see fields um, in the issue before, and we just focused in on Talasso Ocean um, and their aqua drone, uh, which is quite exciting. Um, a startup, Mexican, Norwegian, and they're working hard to release, you know, that prototype. And, you know, lots of research and innovation going into the, the make of that. Um, so, yes, it's, it's a package. Um, you know, we really love the feedback that we get from our users and readers in terms of the information, how they've been using it. And um, in the beginning, we did a bit of tests, of course, with stakeholders. So in the beginning, it took a while to conceptualize and build out. But in terms of every other month, we, we do two, yeah, about four days between us all in terms of production. And our distribution list is now over 3,000 persons. Uh, we're in different listservs. So Robbie spoke to GCFI. We're in Campam. We're in Sargnet. Um, lots of fisher folk um, groups as well in the region that we share the information with. And, well, we use MailChimp, so we always have a good analytics of who's opening um, the messages, who's sharing it, and so on. So recently you founded your own boutique consultancy, Blue Shell Production. Yes. What type of topics yes. can your consultancy help people with? Yeah, so um, I've been working a lot on, well, fisheries management. So right now I'm working on a, a long line project um, in Barbados, sargasm management as well. I consulted with the UNET, Caribbean Environmental Pro Environment Program, um, leading the the authorship on the sargasm white paper. I wrote that with my colleague Karima and Ileana was our uh, oversight. Um, so yeah, sargasm fisheries, blue economy as well too. I led a team looking at a blue economy scoping study for Montserrat. Um, and I'm doing a lot in terms of digital um, technologies in fishery sector. So vessel monitoring systems, um, helping UNDP in terms of their blue digital project here in Barbados and your region. So, yes, and 
I'm even uh, recently, I'm part of a youth incubator program with the Prime Minister's office here. I'm leading the Future Blue um, Pillar. Um, so that's another, another interesting um, program that I am involved in right now. Um, on the creative side of things, I've planned environmental festivals, coral reef symposiums, and so on in the past. So I wanted to do fun stuff as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, anything environmental, anything blue, right? So that's the blue and blue shell. And then I am I'm shell. I'm officially called shell or shells by family members, friends. Yeah, so... You have yes. your hands in all the pots for the, the greater good. I love it. <laughs> for the greater good, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I like it. <laughs> and, uh, but um, we, we've been asked by uh, one of our listeners last year um, a question, and we'd like to put that to you. And essentially mm-hmm. what they want to know about is advice for small beachside guest houses, how they can deal mm-hmm. with sargassum. Do you have any recommendations for them? Yeah, well, in terms of, I was, you know, thinking about how best they could participate, but I really see their role in the the early warning and, and connecting that information back to the local authorities. I know in the past we would have told people, you know, put the sargasm on your plants, um, but we're still researching, you know, the heavy metal content in sargasm. Um, so, you know, we like to caution people on that and encourage them to use like the, the plant biotonics and so on on the market, you know, that have gone through the process of removal of heavy metals. So I think they have a very important role in, you know, raising the awareness of local authorities to the influxes, um, as well as connecting with some of the innovators who would prefer fresh sargasm for, for their product development. And, you know, I, I've also seen some um, beachside uh, coastal residents being very involved in, in, in sargasm management as it relates to providing guidance on management committees and task force. Um, so, and, and you see some of them involved in, you know, cleaning and raking as well. Some communities coming together to, to clean if it's not a, a severe influx. So if, if it's mild or moderate, you know, in terms of, championing that, um, bringing some community um, rapport together to, to do some cleaning and making a positive impact. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's really good advice. It's, it's so hard for these really small places that have the sargassum coming straight in front of their doorstep and then um, they're losing their business, but they're not as big as a hotel or to actually clean it up themselves if they have a big influx. So I think they're, they're definitely one of the stakeholders who are impacted the most because they just don't have the type of funding to even yeah. start a big operation or get a barrier or get a boat. So um, mm-hmm. they may have to work together as a community, as you said, to actually um, get these things together. Um, I looked through your consultancy um, products that you that you offer mm-hmm. or services, and two of them really caught my e- eye. One is um, blue guerrilla yes. marketing, and the other one is blue weddings. 
Um, so what can we expect? Yeah, so um, we, we I, I'm even going to tell you these. one of my crazy ideas. Um, so blue gorilla, gorilla marketing. So gorilla marketing is this advertising strategy um, that use surprise unconventional um, interactions to really sell a product or a service. But I really think that this could be used to communicate environmental uh, messages in terms of marine conservation and so on. So some of you may have seen, for instance, McDonald's using a crossing as, as fries. Or, for instance, here in Barbados, Sagicor Insurance Company um, for Breast Cancer Month, they painted um, the road hump pink. And then there was a sign, um, did you feel that? Go get your breast checked. So, yeah. That's the kind of, yeah, that's the kind of marketing um, that, that you see that really captures you. So I, I, I actually wrote a short concept note on this. I wanted to take the crosswalk um, down Bridgetown, close to the Bridgetown Fisheries Complex, and use it as a ruler. Um, and this will be around the size limit um, that I was speaking about, about the dolphin fish before, um, which is about... Um, 25 inches, um, 65 centimeters fork length that has been recommended. Um, so take the crosswalk, you know, make make the make the little ticks in the crosswalk. Have a, a picture of a dolphin fish, and basically, um, well, you have up to 25 inches, right? Um, with the measure in the crosswalk, and just have the the two words size matters. And that's it, you know, lots of people cross that crosswalk. They won't be able to miss it. And then they'll see the, you know, size matters, you know, they Googled it. They get to, there's a talking point as well too, you know, for people and, you know, general public, you know, not just us, the faithful few in our circles that know these things, but it would be, you know, it would be there in view for everybody to see. Um, so, yes, that's one of my ideas around that. And then, you know, more ideas around, um, for instance, it was it was Virgin Atlantic back in the day that had used a flying fish um, as part of their as part of their airplane in their marketing. Um, so something like that as well, too, like how to use billboards um, even a lot of people have used the escalator, for example, as well, too, in, in guerrilla marketing. Um, so, yes, it, it might not be the cheapest. And, and this is one of my feelings is that, you know, we always tie into marine projects. We always have these really small communications budget. But I feel like it's time for us to have a project with a really big um, communications budget where, you know, we have full-page colored ads. And in Barbados, that's about $3,000 for a full-page colored ad on Sundays, you know, your prime spot. So I think when we start to think like that, I think, like, you know, and really need to invest in raising the communications. I mean, the Sargasm podcast is great. You know, we've been doing videos, we've been doing brochures, briefs, and all of these things. But if you really want to get to the general public and really want to bring things in, in full view, we need to get creative and innovative. We need to get crazy, <laughs> I would say. 
Um, so yeah, that's guerrilla marketing. On the blue wedding side of things, um, my idea is really exciting in terms of promoting sustainability. So every part of the wedding has um, promotes sustainability. Um, so it's either a digital wedding invitation or a wedding invitation printed on recycled paper or sargasm paper. Um, so you have, you know, that's that's the first step. Um, you have a charity registry, for instance. A lot of people are doing that now. So instead of, you know, a registry at a department store, you give money to uh, Marine Frontiers, for example, or some researcher doing great work. Um, um, of course, we're going to have seat to slate farm to table in terms of catering, looking at organic wines, for instance, on the menu. Um, as it relates to the venue, of course, you know, just one venue for the service and the reception. Um, of course, we're using electric cars um, for the, you know, the bride, the groom. Um, even looking into electric shuttles, making sure everybody gets to one central location and then you shuttle them on an electric vehicle to, to the location. And um, yeah, in terms of, you know, there's, there's plant confetti, uh, even in terms of the decorations, um, there is that. And then, of course, an eco-friendly honeymoon at the end of it. So offering the services of, you know, putting on a production like that. I've planned weddings in the past, but I always wanted to be like, you know, just a full-on sustainable wedding. And, you know, around, around the venue, you can have cute little things printed on sargasm paper, of course, you know, telling, cluing in the, the wedding um, guests about why this was done. Yeah. And of course, projecting certain things um, as well, trying to cut down on the paper. Um, even a, a water station, there is a really cool um, water company here in Barbados called EcoSky. They extract the water using solar powered extractions from the sky. Um, you know, so working like companies like that, um, are really involving them um, in, you know, in a production like that. And of course, making sure I've seen you can offset some of your events by, you know, buying um, and planting trees and so on. So building out all of that. I had the flip side too of an environmentally funeral and realizing that that's really a market picking up in the US and the UK as well. Um, um, so yes, all of those sustainability, eco-friendly um, measures. And of course, it's going to be tasteful and, and beautiful of, as well. And there are even some bridal dresses as well, persons using organic dyes and, and so on. So it all depends on how um, strict the client wants to go. But in essence, yeah, it would be to, you know, save money and save the environment. <laughs> Those are such great ideas. And I love the idea of making events green because maybe the bride and the groom are very environmentally conscious, but I'm sure there's always some people who they yes. invited to, who don't know much about sustainable products and may have some reservations against them, thinking they don't taste that good, they don't look that good. And if you really put mm -hmm. something together that looks 
polished and chic and and great and people yeah they they see that maybe they're wrong about that and that um sustainable products can be great <laughs> and the guerrilla marketing oh i yeah. love it i love the idea of the sidewalk with the dolphin fish um about <clears throat> 12 years ago i was part of a sustainability club and we had a website <clears throat> for people to check their energy use at home and as part of the marketing of starting okay. the new website we did some guerrilla marketing as well I made a costume <laughs> of a guy that looks like an energy devil so it was it was <clears throat> a made-up figure that uses a lot of energy and we walked around in the costume <laughs> on campus at university for about a week and just gave little um cards like um little um what do you call them in english um the oh, cards business, you give to, to business partners yeah. like where you have your name on it so it just mm. was like a little mm. yeah a little business card to maybe one person in the room and then the week after we put up flyers so everybody like remembered the face of this energy devil and he was on the flyer and people could figure out what it was about and even years after, people were like, oh, yeah, I remember that campaign about that, that devil that was walking around you know, the school. It so it really, really worked. Experience. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I did some sea turtle research actually with someone who was at UWE, who is now a professor at UWE, when I was living in St. Mm -hmm. Kitts. And we ran a little ad campaign around that didn't get to go anywhere because of funding. But it was um, Take Viagra, Save a Sea Turtle. And I really was hoping that would catch on like Caribbean wide because I thought, you know, if, if, that, if that's the, the running story about why you need to eat sea turtle eggs, then people could just take Viagra and they would save all of the sea turtles. But yeah, never really turtles. got off the ground. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's good. Is, is that Professor Horrocks that you, that you know at UWE? Darren Julia Brown. Uh, no, his name is Darren Brown. Oh, Darren, Darren, yeah. Darren Brown. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. yes. I know him. Yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one too. Well, well, well the, the the thing about sea turtles and um, mm -hmm. Viagra mm -hmm. is we need to talk about lionfish. Because lionfish <laughs> make a man's back strong, strong, strong. It's better than any of that stuff. <laughs> so if you eat, if you want to have you a good time with you, you know. Feet, 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 eat some, eat some fish, man, you need to eat the lionfish. Feed it to eat your van, you're gonna, you're gonna, your van's going to have a strong yeah. back if you do that. Oh, lionfish yeah. make and, you strong, strong, strong. And in Barbados, it's the sea urchin. It's the role of the white sea urchin. That's the aphrodisiac. Actually, one of our earlier uh, chief fisheries officers, he wrote, yes, it was GCFI in the 40s. He wrote a paper and he said that, you know, um, sea urchins have been attributed to the the uh, overpopulation of Barbados. So <laughs> I always found that hilarious to read in a in a DCFI paper. Oh yeah, it's yeah from the forties that the whales. Yeah, uh, but yeah, <laughs> yes. I don't want to get too off track, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's those kinds of um you know campaigns that really you know engage the general public about marine conservation and so on. I'm also very interested in technology um, in terms of artificial intelligence and machine learning and how we can use that 
especially in, you know, making sargasm value chains more traceable. I've been doing um, a bit of work in terms of seafood traceability in Barbados and, and looking at, of course, the vessel monitoring systems as, you know, the first part of that traceability. Um, but, you know, thinking about how it, it would relate, because as we build out these sargasm industries, we will need to make sure that the value chains are traceable, that people know where the sargasm is coming from, um, you know, that it's been through a process um, to that, the, that there's no heavy metals in there, and that although we don't have the regulatory framework in place right now in terms of qualities and standards for products, that we eventually get there. So I think we need to start building out those frameworks from now, and technology helps with that, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah you could yeah. potentially use blockchain for that as well um, I'm still very new to learning about blockchain, it but yeah. what Actually, I know about I included it is that, that in our, in our trace paper. stuff really well using <laughs> at first uh, when I, I, I pitched that I was like yeah blockchain can be used um, in terms of value chains and, and building it out um, as well as you know uh, AI machine learning and and you know like, for instance, we're trying to do, you know, using image recognition and AI to look at tuna grading, you know, based on tuna scope, a Japanese application that came out. But all of these things could be adapted. For instance, someone was telling me that it's perhaps it could be used to determine different species type of sargasm, you know, by taking images and having the computer trained um, through machine learning to identify the different species. Because we are seeing some of the, we are seeing our colleagues uh, publishing about the different types um, of the natans, for instance, and then realizing that some innovators uh, prefer one particular type. It might yield more alginates and so on. So we need to start thinking about these things from quite early um, before things start to to develop. Yeah. Well. Shelly Ann, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, thank you. Yeah, th All the best. Th thank you for teaching us. We really appreciate you. <laughs> okay. And I'll, well, everybody, that, that was uh, Dr. Shelly Ann Cox with us today. And, all, and uh, I learned some stuff today I didn't know before. Um, but that's one of my favorite parts about the being a part of the Sargassum podcast. I get an opportunity to talk to a lot of really smart people, especially people that know things that I don't know and and I like learning and all. So that was that was a lot of fun to to get this season started off. What do you guys think? Yeah, I really, really liked the interview and it was it's so nice to be back doing interviews. Um we haven't done it for a few months and these conversations are always so much fun. And Shelly Ann was a great guest, like learning about so many different things, like learning about the fisheries and how they're impacted and how it also impacts the cultural image because of the flying fish being um, less caught and the impact on the dolphin fish that could be quite substantial if they start getting the smaller ones. But then also the other sides, the, the really creative ideas she has for yeah, marketing and for doing communications. I she was about that everything and well. all the spins. You know, she's she's got her hands everywhere doing all sorts of really good stuff and I, I love that she's so involved for her community and I really really like the idea of the dolphin fish 
on the crosswalk just because people do really, I think, ha there's more of an impact from a visual, something like that, for sure. So I love the gorilla, the blue gorilla marketing. We want to thank everybody for being with us today. Uh, you know, like I said, I've learned a lot, and I, I hope you have too. Um, but we don't want you to forget that this uh, the Sargassum podcast would not be possible without the generous uh, support of Seafields and the Kimberly Green Latin American and Caribbean Center at Florida International University. We always want to give them a big up, big one up up there. And uh, anyway, uh, we'll see you in a couple of weeks, and uh, and thanks for learning with us today. Thank you for tuning in today and learning with us from our guests. If you want more information about what our guests talked about today, check our show notes for links and information in our archive. And don't forget to like and share our podcast with your friends. If you enjoy our podcast, please consider supporting us financially by becoming a patron. For as little as a dollar per month, you can support us and get the exclusive benefit of submitting questions for our interviewees before the interview. The Sargassum Podcast is produced by Marine Conservation Without Borders and is made possible with financial support and consideration from Seafields and the Kimberly Green Latin America and Caribbean Center, U.S. Department of Education Title VI grant. It is produced by Jose Martinez, Alex Danielli, Cleo Maradakis, Francisca Elmer, and Alois Lopez, and is hosted by Robbie Figpen, Francisca Elmer, Jenna Cantuccio, Florence Menez, Cleo Maradakis, and Paula Diaz. We will be back in two weeks with another exciting guest. The music for the podcast is from the song Then I Pray by Drizzle, the Rum Drama, an artist from Rotan. Follow him on Spotify and YouTube for my music. But for now, this is the full song Then I Pray.